45 with Dooner. Hopefully everyone had a good lunch. There was a lot to chew on this morning on this show. First, I got to thank people who've helped put this on. It is uh, Blue Yonder, Turvo, Roadrunner, and Truck Stop. Thank you all for sponsoring the show today. By the way, did you register? Because if you do, there's a prize you can win. You got to go over to live.freightwaves.com. Put your name and your company in there. You can win one of these Roombas over here. And I'll tell you something about these. These things aren't all just smoke, right? I have I I can't register in today's because I work here. But I used to be really lucky at these logistics conference. I've won Red Sox tickets. I even won a Roomba. As a matter of fact, my kid loves riding the damn thing. Take a look at this. Bring one into your own home. Little beastie. A little powerful, too. You know, a lot of people have shown the cat videos online. I couldn't get the cat, but my little boy, Sebastian, this is from a few years ago. Time, he uh, he couldn't really walk. He did this little butt scooch thing until he realized that the Roomba was a much better form of transportation. A couple events coming up, too, after this one. April 26th, Small Fleet Owner Summit. It's a Freightways TV event. It's virtual. Register for it. The same place I just told you. Live.freightwaves.com. And then June 21st and 22nd, we're back in person. First time this year, all of us getting back together, the Freightways community, the 3PL community, trucking community, air freight community, ocean freight community, tech community, every community, all converging at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Go get your tickets to that now. Bring your team over there. And if you missed any of the show today, it's all going to be available on demand and podcast audio. Look up Freightways on YouTube or our Freightcast channel on podcast. We'll have all these events, plus the What the Truck channel, obviously. Look up What the Truck wherever you get your podcasts. Um, let's see here. What did they talk about earlier, by the way? They are creating a safer, more secure and ethical supply chain, building intentional relationships and networks. And what does the banking crisis mean to 3PLs? By the way, shout out to the chat room where Brody says, good morning, everyone. Looking forward to a great summit. Anyone on the West been having this crazy weather? It just snowed again yesterday here in Boise, Idaho. Fortunately not. It's bolo tie weather over here in lovely Chattanooga, the scenic city. But uh, yeah, hope you guys went through all that one. It has been bad. It has been bad. And Jacob Vasquez says, good morning from sunny San Antonio. I'm Jacob from the demo. Let us know if you have any questions in the front chat. So go hit him up. And then here's a great comment. Just a little food for thought to stew on while we're here at the summit. Mia Mazel says, let's stop asking where kids are going to college. Let's instead ask, what do they want to do after high school? There are more options than just college. And then Annabelle says, hello, Mia. Great point. How do you change the conversation around college? What actions do you anticipate the community's educational institutions and business sector should take to close the gap? What do you guys think? Encouraging too many people to go to college? Are there more pathways in freight without going to university and getting a diploma? I don't know. I mean, I was a college dropout until uh, University of Arkansas over here gave me my diploma. So I'll take that one. Anyways, today on the show, we're going deep on double brokering stats. We got scaling tech, surviving a down market, and demystifying your freight network with guests from Blue Yonder. We got Turvo, Rebus, Truck Stop, and Front. And uh, let's see, with headlines like the market downturn is a year old, when will the market turn around? 
And how are you going to survive? How are you going to survive in advance? Those are the tips we're giving you here today. In fact, in Craig Fuller's most recent article, here's a quote from it, just to give you an idea of the conditions that are going on now. As we enter the second quarter of 2023, it appears the freight market may be worse than the freight recession of 2019, as tender rejections are on the verge of dropping below 3%. They're now at 3.05%. The low in 2019 was 3.86%. So there's a lot of concern market out here who want to weather this storm. From your co-workers to your partners to the modes of transportation, everybody's getting hammered. But I think we can be positive and I think we can win today. So let's tip the band and we'll get into it. Global 3PL leaders have partnered with Blue Yonder for decades to achieve technology leadership and deliver on targets. As a leader in digital supply chain, Blue Launder can help reduce transportation, warehouse, and labor costs, increase service levels, and cut out manual tasks for your team. Visit Blue Yonder to learn more about how they can help you develop an agile, scalable, resilient, and sustainable end-to-end supply chain. Now, who's my first guest today? Let's take a look here. Do we have Steve West and Kyle Wegman? Those gentlemen are on together. Guys in the back, can you let me know? My screen is a little down. Okay, so we got Steve West. <laughs> oh, these guys are looking great. Let's, let's bring them up. Come on, let's bring up Steve West and... Uh, well, sorry, a little out of order today. They, they threw me for a loop here, trying to figure out where I am on this thing. I apologize. Bear with me, everybody here. How did I lose those? All right, we got Kyle Wegman, Senior Director of Product Management at Turbo, and Stephen West, Director of Logistics at Rebus. I need one of you to direct my logistics up here. Can you guys help me out at all? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I could assist in that area. Well, who, who's, who's, let's bring these guys up so we can see these lovely gentlemen. <laughs> can you hear me, Tim? I can hear you. Who are we looking at right now? Who we got? I who can't is tell it? who you're looking at. This is Kyle from Turbo speaking. Are you able to see me right now? I can see both of you. Yeah, you look great, man. Where are you sitting today? I'm out here in Raleigh, North Carolina. We also are not getting that snow out west, but man, I'm a big skier. I wish I was out there. Now, Steve, you said you're from uh, Rebus, right? Yeah, I'm our director. I'm from Turbo. Steven's here from Rebus. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was hoping they would. Steve, you're from Rebus, right? That's correct. Well, you're looking great, man. Where do you come into us from? Uh, so I am in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, it's beautiful, seventy-five here, to, seventy-five degrees here right now. So I'm not dealing with any weather. Well, very, very cool. What goes on over at Rebus for those who are not familiar? What makes Rebus unique? Yeah, so um, we have a uh, independent online marketplace uh, for the buying and selling of of steel or metal across uh, across the world, and we. We complement that by uh, offering a logistics service uh, where we can function as a shipper um, as well as as a 3PL. Very, very cool. Well, how about uh, how about yourself? What do you do over at Turvo and how are you two working together? Yeah, so uh, we met <laughs> yeah, with uh, Turvo um, shortly after we, we started Rebus Logistics in August of 21 and um, very, very uh, collaborative TMS, which is what we were looking for. Because um, at the end of the day, we are we are a technology company, uh, and and Turbo offered a number of things that we were looking for as as well as supported our our internationalization as well. Wow, well, very cool. Well, why would Turbo want to work with a company like Rebus? I that it sounds like there's uh, some synergy here. Yeah, at Turbo. Um 
we like to talk about tech as the great equalizer. And really, we have customers that are in the top 33 PLs in the country, all the way to customers that can fit their entire company within one room. And um, we love working with companies like this that we see how we can truly support them through an entire growth stage. And when we started working with Rebus, they didn't even have an MC number yet. And Stephen, you correct me if my numbers are wrong, but I believe in the last year, uh, through our platform, you guys have gone from doing the amount of shipments that you were doing in a month a year ago is about what you're doing in one business day now. Am I right on that one? Oh, did you, did you hear the question? Did he freeze? Oh, I guess well, we lost. I think he I... might be frozen, but I'll show you a little behind the scenes. I talked to him, and that number's actually true. The <laughs> they started talking to us when they didn't even have an MC number yet, and the business they were doing in a month just a year ago is what they're doing in about a day. And um, working with us at Turbo, we service and we truly market to both ends of the industry, the biggest companies and the smallest companies and everyone in between. And we make sure that what that allows us to do is give every company a path to growth continually on one TMS platform. Very, very, very cool. So what the, the acceleration of that growth is really impressive. Is there is there like a trend line that you saw that that would empower that? Or is that just the the power of what Turvo is doing? Well, it's the power of what Turvo is doing, certainly. Um, what I think is really interesting is uh, we just heard Peter from Metaphora a few hours ago talking about the state of freight tech out there in the industry. And a couple of things that he said that stuck with me were most companies want to make one big investment into tech and that's it. And then the other thing he said as it relates to TMS is most TMSs do one thing really well and five or six things not so well. And so... If you had talked to Turvo five years ago, we actually would have said that we're not a TMS. There was a time that we were really adamant that we were not a TMS. We were a collaboration and visibility platform, like Stephen referred to. And what we kept hearing from the market is, but what you guys have is what a TMS should be. This is what every company expects to get out of their TMS. So we heard that enough. We went and got some great investors that made a huge investment into our product, and we took that collaboration and visibility control tower, and we built in the planning, execute, and settlement that every company should be able to do. But turbo in one word is that collaboration. That's what we keep coming back to, and I can't count the number of times that I've heard that today. So allowing companies to connect and do business across their whole supply chain really has limitless possibilities. And that's what we saw with Rebus. So when we say tech is the great equalizer, right, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean for serving uh, top 33 PLs on down to small companies with just 10 employees, a lot of which are getting hammered right now? If I had it in one word, I'd say optionality. We give them the ability to grow in any direction, and we give those smaller companies the ability to compete in certain industries 
with the bigger companies. And the path that we're on, we see these companies growing with us. We are working towards being that true multimodal worldwide TMS where you can do business in any mode, anywhere. And that ability to give everyone the ability to compete is what makes it the great equalizer. Going back to what Metaphora talked about, when you're that growing company in your growth phase and you're buying a TMS, the options that you've got, you've really got three options. You pick one TMS and you stick with them through hell or high water. You accept that you're going to be able to maybe do one thing really well and other things not so well. Or you expect to transition TMSs, which is risky and expensive in the middle of that growth phase, or you accept that you're going to have multiple TMSs throughout your business forever. So being that one true multimodal global TMS that is there with you through your global supply chain growth yeah. and truly marketing to and serving both of those companies at the same time is what makes us special. Well, let, let's see if Steve agrees. He's back with you. Does that make them special? And what's important hey. about a collaborative TMS, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. That was a big, uh, big differentiator for us when we started engaging with Turbo. And, you know, from the collaborative aspect, um, you have to have a TMS nowadays that that uh, complements that, right? I think we all know visibility, documentation, um, and, and freight delivering on time and visibility is, is a huge need in our industry. And uh, Turbo gives us the ability um, to extract data from, from their platform, display it on, on our shipment visibility dashboard for our customers, as well as retrieve our documents. And, uh, and, and next, we're right on the verge of launching Turbo uh, out over in Europe um, for our European team. Interesting. Would you say that the, the TMS was the catalyst? Because when you were disconnected, we were talking a little bit about that growth and you were saying some amazing numbers. Like you had 40-ish shipments in the month of February 2022, but now you're having closer to 1,200 uh, a month. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and Turbo has uh, definitely supported that just from a, a sheer organization perspective. Um, there's no way we could do the amount of transactions we do without, uh, without a TMS, much less a collaborative TMS. And, and he was right. I mean, last first quarter, we did about 200, 250 shipments. Uh, this quarter, we're, you know, 3,500-ish uh, in the first quarter of this year. Impressive results. If people want those results, where do they go get them? I'd probably start with Turbo, um, but more importantly, the, the reason that we've had that kind of growth is because of the culture inside Rebus um, and uh, well, the, the teams we build out. They're like-minded people. Well, Kyle, he already answered for you, so I got to ask a question I'm just curious about and haven't had a chance yet, and this is from your LinkedIn profile. What's the best lesson you learned while working at Buffalo Wild Wings? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Buffalo Wild Wings was the ultimate in a customer service rapid fire, really working in any restaurant. When I meet people and I see restaurant experience, it's such a special thing because you talk about cold calling for brokers and sales experience and stuff like that. When you're serving 100 to 200 tables a night of drunk sports fans whose teams may be winning or losing, uh, you really are walking into a pressure cooker of not knowing what type of person you're dealing with. You got to read them like a book and you got to adapt. And 
just that constant rapid fire customer service at all times was the most invaluable lesson. Well, I'm going to give you a little cowbell for that. For all the servers out there, myself being a former server as well. Guys, thank you so much. If they want to connect with Turvo, what's the best uh, website or what's the best place to go to? Turvo.com out on our website. Uh, We have a great chat bot there and you can engage with our sales team and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Very, very cool. Well, guys, thank you for joining us on the show today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. Longtime fan, first-time caller. Great to be here. I apologize for those early technical difficulties, but I think we turned the ship around near the end there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Take Thanks care, guys. Thanks for having us. Meanwhile. <laughs> Tried to save it, too. <laughs> Good thing he let go at the end there. That would have been bad. He would have been, uh, he would have broke his crown at the bottom of that hill. It's dangerous out here in transportation, people. It's dangerous. That's why we got to talk to the professionals. One of them here is in the bullpen right now. It's Steve Hackney. He's the head of success and solutions at Front. And if I'm not mistaken, he's sitting over in Hotlanta. I've been watching the Braves, by the way. They look good this season, Steve. Hey, Steve. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Could you hear me? Yes. Okay, I was complimenting your Braves. You're in Atlanta, right? I am not. I'm in California. You're in California? Wait, what? what is in Atlanta then? Is Front based in Atlanta? No, I, I'm happy to visit Atlanta, but no, our, Interesting. our, our company is based in San Francisco. Um, yeah, we're, we're a software company based in Silicon Valley. Big surprise there. Okay, so tell me a little bit about Front then. Yeah, so uh, first of all, thanks for having us on. I'm really uh, excited to be here today. Um, Front is a software company, a a shared inbox platform that helps streamline shipper and carrier operations. So as we all know, um, 3PLs are very communications heavy. And so Front helps operationally in three ways. First, um, high volumes of inbound. We help categorize, prioritize, and route those messages. Um, Second, we provide... Once a message is routed to an agent, we provide ways to allow that agent to respond very efficiently and effectively. And third, we do a lot of uh, monitoring and tracking of team performance and customer satisfaction. Yeah, I'm looking at your page here. It looks pretty slick. It's a communication, collaborative communication platform between partners and intermediaries in the supply chain. Who, um, just out of curiosity, as I'm looking at um, the screen here, it looks like you have some emails, some, some communication. Who is, the, who is the user of this type of uh, product here? Yeah, definitely. Um, we have a horizontal product, but what's been interesting is that we've seen a really good product market fit within the logistics industry. And so we've, through a lot of word of mouth, actually, amassed a, over 500 users in 3PL are using Front today. And so we've been able to kind of um, develop deep partnerships and relationships with vendors like uh, 3PLs, like Echo Global Logistics, Sender, BTX. And so it's really provided some very interesting insights into trends and ways that we can increase the value of our what are those insights, Steve? What are what are the challenges that 3PLs and freight brokers are bringing to you right now? 
Yeah, so quite a bit, but I, I can summarize it into maybe three trends that we've seen. Yeah, three, three trends. One, obviously, the supply chain crisis um, was a very, very telling in multiple ways. There was obviously tight truck capacity, huge demand, um, a lot of exposure to weaknesses in supply chain automation and uh, coordination. So through that process, our customers, among the 500 of our customers that we were talking to, the conversations kind of shifted. It, 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 before, before that, it was a lot about how does, what is the ROI? How does Front make my uh, business grow? And through that last two and a half years, a lot of the conversations shifted to do I have the infrastructure to handle unprecedented volumes and spikes in communications. Um, the challenge was though that they, they were often too busy to actually make any technology investments and pull their operational teams out of day to day. And so um, one of the trends we've seen is that in 2023, things seem to be softening up a little bit. And at least for the near term, that trend is expected to continue. So it becomes a great time for companies to invest in their tech stack and prepare for the next cyclical demand cycle. Well, how are they doing that? Like, how are 3PLs looking at tech to solve this? Let's drill a little bit deeper. Yeah, so actually, we we did a joint study with the JOC and um, did some surveys of, of possible customers in, in the industry. And we did learn that 75% of the respondents were struggling with communication categorization and prioritization. Just the volume was overwhelming. Um, 74% were also struggling with like inefficient handoffs between teams internally, like between operations and brokers. Just it was often unclear who was accountable, who was the owner of a, of a message. And that led to 59% feeling like the work was duplicative uh, and unclear who was the who's the owner. So in a nutshell, these organizations were really struggling with operational efficiency, and that led that led to, at the best case, like a decline in customer satisfaction, but in the worst case, lost revenue. And we we actually have seen folks come to us and say we lost these giant um, deals because we weren't able to respond efficiently enough. So is, is poor communication is the colander here. That's where everything's falling through, everything that's losing. Is that what I'm hearing? Is that what your, your solution is here to improve? Yeah, exactly. And so for our current customers, um, the, the conversation shifts because we have tools to help with that operations there. The conversation really becomes about how do we optimize the um, number of ship, shipments per agent, per day, what are ways that we can kind of like track and improve our operational efficiency. And so, you know, that's, that's really hard to do if you're not track, if you're not able to get aggregate metrics, but once you're able to track those metrics, um, it's possible for you to actually get real ROI. Um, so for example, one of our customers, Sender, who I reference is a good partner of ours, and uses our technology in a really optimal way, uh, has estimated that they save over 3,500 hours every month. 
Wow, that's that's decent. Well, with all that in mind, what are your predictions and thoughts on where the industry is headed? Because we're hearing a lot about digital transformation and we're also hearing a lot about AI. And, you know, one thing I've said on here before is everyone's afraid of autonomous trucks. But I was like, I don't know, man, AI might be coming for our desk jobs first. But what do you see happening? What kind of digital transformation do you see going on? Yeah, so I think like more broad than just our technology in the communication space, I, there was a really like there was an interesting panel I watched. Um, McKinsey, I think, sponsored it with some um, supply chain executives and just really improved coordination across the chain is one thing that that we're, we're obviously a part of, but you know more broadly within the industry, the more that that coordination can be improved and that is you know things as simple as like making sure that there's transparency about what action to take in advance of a challenge or to mitigate challenges that coordination is critical so um, something we, we see our technology being deployed as, as a component of but broader trend and then more on the automation side as you mentioned AI is really a hot button issue we, I think I, we have some some insights on AI specifically but even more broad than AI, just supply chain automation. Um, as I mentioned before, automation historically has been mostly about well, how do I get the most ROI? But I think the industry has shifted somewhat to think about automation also as a way to mitigate supply chain risks. Um, so, you know, doing automated actions in warehouses, automated port vehicles that move around containers. All of these things are ways that we can kind of like bolster against huge supply uh, demand shifts and something we're seeing of. Um, I'm happy to talk more about the AI piece because that is a very that, that is a very hot button issue as you as you mentioned. Yeah, well, where I mean, it, it, it's interesting because in, in in the prospect of communication, most of us have used like AI right now, something like Chat GPT. We're actually doing some communication with it, or some of the the new Bing bots are out. Is is this going to really empower the next level of communication, or will it always be people, or is it both? So, I mean, our perspective is that no, nothing is going to ultimately replace the knowledge worker. It's just going to move the knowledge worker's uh, role into more high impact functions, right? And um, so instead of a knowledge worker having to go between three different systems to collate a response to a, to a customer inbound request, what if all that information was served to you more dynamically and in real time? So you weren't swiveling between your email client and your TMS. But if we can pull all that data together, extract a, a you know like a shipment ID, and pull up relevant documents related to that, so th these are some of the ideas we have. Obviously, being able to help compose a message efficiently using these data sets is uh, is a is a no brainer, and we can we can begin to train the AI on past emails and um, past communications to help the agent construct a, a message more dynamically but that's th these are all things that we're thinking about and working on that are very applicable to the logistics industry that i'm very excited about well very cool people who want to learn more or maybe they want to connect with you or they're really interested in fronts communication here where do i send them to 
Yeah, so you can go to your uh, front website. We have some resources floating around. We're happy to, to share more resources on the JOC study we did. Um, there's a demo you should check out that we put together that gives you a more of a visual of what the front interface looks like. And uh, you can find that on our website. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm also on, on LinkedIn and it'd be happy to reach out and connect with anyone that has more specific questions around what our technology does and how we can help. But I really appreciate the, the time here today. Hey, thanks, Steve. Take care and have a, have a great Wednesday. Enjoy yourself. All right. Bye-bye. Global 3PL leaders have partnered with Blue Yonder for decades to achieve technological leadership and deliver on targets. As a leader in digital supply chain, Blue Blue Yonder can help reduce transportation, warehouse and labor costs, increase service levels, and cut out material tasks for your team. Visit blueyonder.com to learn more about how they can help you develop an agile, scalable, resilient, and sustainable end-to-end supply chain, or just... Stick around because I'm about to talk to my next guest who happens to be from there. It is Anne-Marie Jonkman, Senior Director, Global 3PL Industry Strategies at Blue Yonder. (laughs) Hey, Anne-Marie, sorry I tripped on that one for a second. That's okay. How are you? Uh, Good afternoon. What's going on? Where where are you coming in from? The last guest, I I accused them of being from Atlanta, so I don't want to jump out with anything here. No, um, I'm from uh, Chicago, so we welcome spring. It was 48 yesterday, and today it's 78 in hail and rain. So I'm from the suburbs of Chicago. Oh, so then Cubs or Sox? Um, I was born and raised on the south side. I've converted, so it's both. Not Not a great answer. Oh, it's all right. You don't have to pick. You don't have to pick the very, very political and uh, and smart answer. Before we even jump into today's topic, just in case someone's tuning in late, they've never heard of Blue Yonder before. What do you all do? Sure. Um, we're a uh, software and solutions provider. So we provide end to end solutions and uh, transportation and warehousing and WES tasking and uh, a platform. So any end-to-end solutions from planning to final mile delivery, order management in between, um, we handle it. We are broken up into three segments. So we have um, retail, we have a manufacturing industrial division, and recently we've had a focus on third-party logistics, and we are global. So we serve um, the global, the regional, and the uh, national market. So happy to be here. Well, you know, and all these markets are kind of getting impacted in similar ways, just as they were during the high point of the pandemic. They're getting hit now. And then resiliency became the big term, right? Everyone's got to be resilient. And it's proven true. We have been. We're, we're seeing all across supply chain, big changes happening. And we need to weather the storm and be strong and have strong supply chains. What have you learned about resiliency and why does it matter? Yeah, um, I I think the pandemic uh, literally taught us uh, some lessons. Um, There were lessons in 08 and 09 regarding interest rates. Um, We've learned about the dot-com bust. Um, When I started in transportation in the 2000s, um, there was a shortage of drivers, um, shortage of freight. So I think resiliency is important as we're standing in front of our boards and our employees and the world is watching is that you have plans and a strategy, not a reaction plan. 
So what technology is going to enable us to do, and it is doing, is to be able to use data from AI and machine learning resources to be able to predict the future. And if you have um, an agnostic plan to where you can use that data to pivot, you won't be so reactive. Weather, acts of God, strikes are going to continue to happen. These are no surprises. I think having the right technology platform and understanding of the business that you serve will allow you to be resilient. Um, we will continue to have natural disasters. We will continue to have weather disruptions. We will continue to have labor disruptions. It's really having a handle on your supply chain of what those plans are if you get in a bind again. So that's what it's taught me is you can't resist change. You don't really want to have to stand in front of your board and explain the backup plan and the recovery plan. I think it's being forward thinking and figuring out plans for the future and have a key strategy or strategies in mind. Well, in the context of resiliency, because we hear, you know, use data a lot. We use that term. But what does that mean, especially in the context of like blue yonder and resiliency? What kind of data and how do we use it? Yeah. So you look at um, data. Data is nothing new. Just attaching it to um, a platform and connected solutions. And I grew up in operations is great. But when you think about the data, it's also the accuracy of the data. So what it means from a resiliency perspective is are you providing visibility, not just to your customers, but to your carriers, to your drivers, to your shippers, to your internal business customers? Um, is the data accurate and does it serve what you need according to your strategies? Just pushing along garbage in, garbage out won't create resiliency. So the data alone and having that mechanism to connect is not just going to deploy your strategy. It's really getting information out of the data to tweak and adjust your strategy on a more agnostic level, whether that's with your own tools or it's connected with a tech provider, software provider like Blue Yonder to help you get ahead faster. So that's where it's really um, important. You know, sadly, for a long time, supply chain was sort of looked at as a necessary evil, right? Delivery costs, evil, and instead of what it should be thought of as the lifeblood of your company. These are these are the blood cells. This is what is moving the fluid through the body that is your company. And I think that was explained pretty well from 2020 to 2022. I think people are getting the message, although I hear everyone's going back to just in time, you know, because this is supply chain and it's expensive to keep them on. But my question for you is, should we start looking at supply chain as an element of risk? Right. And especially not having the right things in place like a global trade management partner. Yeah. So um, you can look at your question in a few different lenses. So I'll, I'll comment first on the just in time. I think there will be certain customers that want just enough, just in time, and will continue to pay for that service. And that service may come at a premium. Back in the day, we used to look at sailing schedules for B2B, and we could look at it the same way in B2C to where do I really need um, the, 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 the toilet paper and the diapers in this new purse? Maybe that's okay if it comes on Friday and we group orders together with less cartons, less shipments, and less sustainability with different modes. So it's actually about choices. In another regard, kind of looking at it as a whole, I think you can't put supply chain in the quarter and just consider it an afterthought. How you run your transportation operations, what modes you look at and deploy, 
what technologies you're running them through should really lead. And you need to back up and start in the beginning. How do we plan orders? How do we look at the visibility of orders? What do our customers want? Is it in the right location? Am I actually playing in the right location? Part of this is also looking at, do I diversify my strategy? Maybe I started out in full truckload. I'm not utilizing my trucks appropriately. You know, my 48s, my 53s, there's still a shortage of drivers, not enough freight. Is there an opportunity based on e-commerce explosion to adjust and maybe move into the final mile market? So if you don't have a handle with the right technology provider like Blue Yonder, it's not just modernizing your stack. It's what do you want to be when you grow up or as time goes on um, with this supply chain entity end to end. You really need to have your supply chain strategy really front and center, just like you have your customer revenue targets, your safety targets, your goal targets, and your financial and EBITDA targets. It should be front and center. I think that's how it changed. If you've grew up um, in this business, it was always an afterthought. The pandemic taught us a lesson that's been coming for years is that it needs to be front and center. I love that you use the term choices because there is responsibility here. Our supply chains aren't completely automated. They're not completely out of our control. We do make choices here, good or bad, some from a long time ago that have put us in bad positions when the market goes terrible. Is that the point of tech? Is it to empower people and enable those choices? Well, I'll tell you a story. I think it is. I spent about 20 years in a variety of roles and operations, union, non-union facility, transportation, warehousing, inventory management, retail and store. And I think what's important is the messaging you share with your employees, not just the customer, is enable the tech for change. Automation is not slowing down. Um, autonomous driving may be further out in the future. Sustainability is not an afterthought. It's really just about the evolution of being able to collaborate, take all those paper processes that we grew up with in the logistics office, on the warehouse floors, the drivers coming in to check in and out in a way to enable the data to be accurate and available for all. This is what social media, technology, and customer choice is driven. What you're doing is taking those paper processes and digitizing them so we can all get about our days and hit our goal. It is a natural progression. Um, I highly recommend we don't look as tech um, of human versus robots. It's an evolution of us working together, and it is changing the industry that we grew up in. So I think it is so important and why I made the choice to move over my career to software and technology solutions is to have a mark on this industry, on the warehousing, um, rail, non-union, union facilities, as well as the drivers what's changing, what's navigating to make people more safe and what's happening. It's not just a drive to improve your cost to serve. It's also a drive of just transportation um, advancing, supply chain advancing, our warehousing advancing. It's front and center with an extra set of eyes. So I would ask people to have kind of a full lens and look at it. And it's hard when you grow up in the space, but technology is here to help not to hurt. It's here to collaborate us and bring us together. Well, how will that work? How do we, we, we talked yeah. about what's old, right? Let's talk about what's new. How do you add additional value now? 
Yeah. So I was thinking about, you know, preparing this meeting um, and I grew up uh, working with owner operators and booking freight on the, on the phone and dial for diesel, as you've told it. I don't know if people are aware that's called, you know, a freight, freight tech aggregator today. What does that mean? So if you're an owner operator and you have a fleet of, you know, 50 to 75 trailers and, you know, 100 cabs, what do you do with that now? Well, do you know anything about APIs? We've always had EDI. We've always had folks working on the van. How do I find the freight? Before, it used to be through the phone. It used to be through the Internet. You'd bid in a lane, and I have 19 trucks coming out of Tennessee to California every week. Well, what do I do now when that's not consistent? Who do I call? Joe and Jane retired. I think you really need to invest in a strategy to where, um, such as Blue Yonder's carrier collaboration tool, to where you use APIs and understand what they can do, to where you can bring the shippers and the carriers and the customers together of what your offering is. What a lot of our clients use us for, and some are larger, some are tier two of What's happened and what changed? How do I connect the freight I've always had, but here's where I'm empty and coming back? How do I do this or do I just outsource it? So I think you have to decide, do you want to play in that space, which maybe you've been playing for 20, 25 years, or do you want to work with a technology provider, or do you want to build it out and, you know, um, go to a 3PL partner and absorb? And we Blue Yonder can help with that in multiple channels. So that's one thing that's changing. Another thing I would be of a demise if I didn't call out right now is the explosion of e-commerce with the pandemic heightened it. In terms of final mile delivery beyond the technology, we're talking about package trucks. Some people are having LTL shipped to their house. We're having elliptical trainers shipped to our house. Um, you know, UP, USPS is an option. Parcel carriers are an option. Delivery of, you know, a contract carrier provider with an employee coming in a van in your driver. Is that something you want to play in in your space? If you have employees and you're regional and want to change and right size your fleet, is that somewhere we can play? e-commerce and the delivery to our doors is not going away. You'll always need to move full truckload, um, you know, over the borders, ports, container to container is coming, but the explosion of e-commerce is moving some of that LTL volume, maybe that 48 foot or 40 foot volume into the parcel business in terms of final mile delivery. That's something to look at. The third thing I want to call out quickly for you is the expansion in Mexico, right over the border from North America, the expansion of the warehouses, manufacturing and industrial centers, if you haven't been over the border lately, is literally exploding in a good way. Growth, factories, new opportunity for consumers, going through what we went through many, many years ago. That cross-border carrier, if you don't have your customs and your claims documents and set up on these APIs and in with the freight, you're going to be left behind. So um, it's something that I would really look forward to helping anybody watching this with. I'm on LinkedIn, but it's, it's, cool. it's really a fun time. Cool. Look her up on LinkedIn and go to blueyonder.com after the show. We appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Go enjoy Chicago. Thank you. It was great chatting to you. Take it easy. All right, everybody. It's time to rate the strap work. Let's take a look at what we got today. Only in Portland they do this kind of
doing though. It's not over yet. We're not Damn, done yet. There's the, the strap. Power. Check it out. There's the strap on the LeSabre. <laughs> Adam Eagle. Adam Eagle says, I mean, I'm just impressed the LeSabre can pull that much. Also, hello, my first car. And then my next emotion is terror at the thought that someone thought this was a good idea. He's got a good point. Carrie Danucci says, zero stars, but I bet DOT won't do a dang thing to this person. This always made me so mad on the road. You see this crap all the time, and I get put out of service for a fog light that had gone out after I did my pre-trip. So much hate. Nicholas Hayward said, Beverly Hillsbillies uh, uh, out of 10. I, okay. Uh, shipping Mike meets a doubles and triples endorsement needed here. And Matt Burke says, must be a heavy hauler. I like the Jeep booster dolly setup. This is incredible. Just the Kutzbo alone, like a swaggering cavalier of old. Paul McClellan, he says, I can't unsee that. Bob Ussie says, would like to see how the state trooper wrote that up. And Anthony Howard says, we got a little tech here. We got some two-step verification. All right, man, let's bring on Brent Hutto, Chief Relationship Officer over at Truck Stop. Brent, how you doing? Man, that is an incredible strap work that you just showed right there. The, the, it's, I'm doing great. I, I'm just blown away. First off, never underestimate a Buick, right? So uh, it's, it's not just for old people. It's for hauling multiple things. And uh, I remember the best strap work I ever saw. <laughs> I was driving from, uh, from uh, Washington, D.C. back up to Baltimore, and a minivan passed me with two mattresses strapped down on top of it, and the straps were men's neckties. Ooh. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Five miles later, they were pulled over on the side of the road because it didn't hold. But it's pretty funny. Wow. Talk about pillow talk. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's not pillow talk. At least like I, if I try this with my wife, it won't be good. If I start talking about the spot freight market, she, she will yeah. kick me right out of bed, Brent. But I want to talk about it with you. What is going on in the spot right. freight market? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I guess it's uh, the spot freight market. People, people say that sometimes they look at me and go, that's not very sexy. So I certainly don't want you talking about it in your bedroom. OK, but however, uh, what's going on right now is, is I know that uh, you guys published a great article on Monday. Craig wrote a great article about the marketplace. And we see a lot, of, you know, obviously we being the marketplace see the exact same things. And we have a great partnership with you guys when it comes to a lot of the, the top hundred lanes and stuff. But we see the same thing. The marketplace right now is, is kind of at what we call the bottom of the cycle. Now, I'm not going to say I'm not I'm not saying that we're at a, an unprofitable part of the marketplace, but we're just at the bottom of the cycle. And it's kind of been that way, Dooner, since about October. And so people are like, oh, well, it's just come down recently. No, it actually hasn't. It started in January of 2022 and kind of came yeah. all the way down, back down to October. And it's been about the same. But here's the cool thing. Even though rates are at sort of a um, what I would call, if you consider fuel and inflation, it's really a, you better be running efficiently if you're a carrier. And this is really important to 3PLs because they need carriers last time I checked. Um, but the thing about it is in the marketplace, this is, this is why we at TruckStop say the marketplace is still strong, maybe say strong enough for all players in the market. There, there's still plenty of freight. There's still plenty of freight. We're 10, 15 percent above in some areas to the five-year normals of how much freight is available in the marketplace for carriers to haul. So when there's plenty of freight, there's always plenty of opportunity, dinner. And that's, to me, that's what, because carriers, I just got back from Mid-America, which was a great show. And then, but they, they asked me over and over and brokers asked me over and over, you know, Brent, what do you think about the market? What is truck stop? You've been around 27 years. What, what do you see? What's going on? What is going on? I just say, look, the thing is that we're still in a, in a good marketplace from the standpoint of its um, validity and that these are normal cycles. And when we see them, when you when you track them, dinner against the sort of the normal historic his, uh, his, historic cycles, it's pretty much follows along the norm. Now that doesn't mean it's super great, and there's areas where people are struggling. But I can tell you that that we're not at a bad spot. We're just at a transition point 
where the marketplace should start to move back up sometime in the next you know two to three months. Yeah, well, how was Matt's, by the way? What was the what was the temperature there? Because for me, market research is looking at data, looking at truck stop data, looking at yeah. sonar data, but it's yeah. also talking to actual drivers and brokers and seeing what participants are doing in the market and seeing what the vibe is and the yeah. tone. What did you get at Matt? Yeah. Amen. Well, I had a great I got to sit down with Grace Sharkey and did a great interview with her. And she's such fun, man. So fun. So appreciate you guys and being on the SiriusXM channel. And But uh, so it was a lot of fun uh, to do that with you guys. But the, the overall, here's my thing. I kind of rated on number of pork chop sandwiches eaten at Mid-America Truck Show, because if you don't eat a pork chop sandwich, you probably didn't go to the show. So uh, but it, it's um it was very, very healthy. And so I've been going the, to give you perspective, Dooner. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not a young guy. I'm 55 years old, and I've been going to the Mid America Truck Show since '98. I've been there every year they had it, except during the COVID years when they didn't have it. So, but I've been there every year, and and I always gauge what did first day, what did second day, and then what did the big Saturday rush look like. And here, here's what I tell you: super healthy, and carries for the most part, even though they're still struggling in some areas, but they're still optimistic about their market. They wouldn't necessarily change anything. And here's what we found. We did a bunch of research, you know, this was really cool, right before we tried to do a lot of research at Truck Stop uh, with, of carriers and what's going on. This is really good for 3PLs that need carriers. Um, what was their overall uh, point of view to the marketplace right today? Right today, and for the most part, they were they came to the show looking forward to be around the other truck, truckers and things like that, which is, this is their culture, this is their environment, was to find fuel uh, uh, tools that created efficiency. Whether it be ones from fuel, from technology, from maintenance tools, from cash flow, all those things. Super, super interested in finding better efficiency because as the marketplace becomes a little more challenging with rates that are super, super competitive, then they need better efficiency tools. And another thing we found out, which is really cool when we we finished this piece of research, was that for the most part, carriers are hauling shorter hauls and fewer miles right now. And a lot of that is sort of closer to home as they can try to maximize their their, – Profitability. Sixty-five percent of them said they're hauling fewer fewer loads, and of, of the ones who are looking for efficiency, more than fifty percent answer the same question, which is, "I want more efficiency." And the efficiency also is in negotiation. How efficiently can they negotiate? So that was a big topic we got to talk about too. How about double brokers? Did that come up where they sell any double broker hunting kits over at Matt's? It's always such a big problem. We hear people complaining about it all the time. What are you seeing uh-huh. in terms uh-huh. of double brokering? Right. Well, yes, it, <laughs> I appreciate you asking that one. That's a big topic right now. And uh, I was uh, got to lead a, a, a breakout session and talk about that to a couple of hundred under operators again. Session. I, I called it the, the other F word, if you know what I'm saying, the other F word <laughs> for all the marketplace. The double brokering creates a problem. If it's real double brokering, it's illegal. But there's, there's lots of things going on in the market. What we've seen, this is what's really interesting. When, when marketplaces go from highs, in other words, industry or um, history highs. In other words, they're higher than a normal marketplace. When they start to come down, the double brokering increases or the double brokering complaints uh, increase. And so we have a whole department at Truckstop that that is available to the broker and the carrier to talk about what, what are things that they're frustrated with and double brokering being one of them, double brokering complaints. Well, in Q, at the end of Q3 and all through Q4, not of 2022, but of 2021, brokering complaints and carrier complaints of double brokering increased 100%. So you're like, oh my gosh, that's a ton. But when, but as the marketplace continued to correct from January of 2022, all the way back down to October, when it kind of corrected back down to a very normal marketplace, which is where we are today, as we corrected back down, the complaints increased 400%. So 300% oh. above the 400% because yeah, 
there's a that's tremendous kind of counterintuitive, amount. right, Brent? Like that's a little like you would think that, you would think, in, right? Yeah, you right. Think. When there's a ton of freight, it would be easier to commit fraud because there's so much. But do you think that it's because it's harder to make a buck now, so the fraud, the scams go up? This is how people make yeah. money in a crappy market. You got it, Dooner. I'll tell you what. Well, here's the thing: um, a bad players uh, they prey on desperate situations. And so as, as it becomes harder and harder to be profitable or find those loads that have the, those great rates on them for carriers, or it may, it's harder for the broker to find great carriers to haul in, in a lane, although it's a little easier today than it was previously, they just prey on the desperation or the, or the difficultness of the market. Because, because if you're desperate, you're not really putting enough in from, you're not really investigating enough, vetting enough the information that you get. So that's our advice to the entire marketplace, which is, you know, if, if, it, if, it, if it smells like a duck, Walks like a duck, looks like a duck. It's probably a duck. And there's no unicorn loads. There's no like normally a $2.75 load if it's for $4.75. You know, do your homework. Get all the information. Make sure that all the things that are normally supposed to be there are there. And and that that if you'll just do your homework, you'll stay out of a lot of these problems. And so what we find is the biggest challenge is on the carrier end. So for the three PLs that are out there, the biggest challenge on the carrier end because they don't have as many resources for their because they're in the spot market. Dooner, it's small players, it's small carriers. I know that you know, Anne Marie was talking about the, the market before, and she was talking about owner operators that have a hundred trailers and thirty or forty trucks. Well, that's this small fleet market. Because I'm not trying to contradict her, but the true owner operator market is the one, two, three, four, five truck person in the owner operator carrier marketplace, and so these. These companies don't have as many resources to do their to be able to do the research, and so they prey mostly on them. So, of the complaints we've had from carriers, only about twenty five percent of them end up, end up being legitimate. So, about seventy five percent of them are fraudulent. So, we we say, hey, do your homework. We actually help. We're a big assist to both the broker and the carrier in this marketplace because, hey, bad freight hurts everybody. It's no good for anybody. So we want to keep it out as much as possible. And, and, and uh, that's a big, that's a big, uh, a big uh, mantra for, for truck stop. To help well, like in social area. media, people talk so much about content moderation, yeah. but in terms of a load board, your content moderation is getting some of these bad actors off, off there and some of these yeah. brokers. How do you accomplish that? Well, I'll tell you, it, it's all about vetting the information dinner and, and, Truck stops says we've been around since '95, so you know we're an old technology when it comes to that. We were we were cloud and SaaS before those were even known words. So we've been virtual. I know it's kind of funny; it kind of dates me a little bit. But uh, the thing is that that we do this by using every piece of advantage that technology can give you. It can give you data information scale, so it has as much information as that you can get. We give it to you from a standpoint of being able to apply it within a technology so you can see it, so availability of the technology, and then transparency to both sides. When you have, here's the thing, here's the big thing. When you've got transparency between the broker and the carrier moving a spot market load, it's really hard to be fraudulent. So when people do their homework, when people make sure that they meet all of all of their requirements for the market, when you dot your I's and cross your T's, it's a lot. There's fraud and the challenges with double brokering or even carrier uh, uh, fraud are are just really, really difficult to get through. But you've got to do your homework because technology and the, the, the advent and use of technology only takes you so far. Technology is a great help. But it's, there's there's no replacing the, the the best the best technology and the best computer in the world, which is between your ears and go and just hey, you know what? This doesn't look right. Let me investigate this a little further. So yeah, but but that that's the application on our end is really just total transparency of information in the market. That's why Truck Stop's been different. We've always been about transparency to help both parties do what they need to do, which is move freight. 
You know, you are a man about town. We're just about out of, out of time here. But if people want to catch up with you in person, what's your next event? Where are you going to next? Oh, man, I'll be at the TIA Capital Ideas Conference down in Orlando. I think that starts on the 12th or 13th. Uh, we call it, we call it the Super Bowl for brokers because it's just the greatest place. Edu- over a hundred education sessions, and uh, it's it's where you can meet and and the cool here's here's the greatest thing I love about trucking. I love and brokers brokering in the third party logistics part is a big part of the marketplace. Is for the most part everybody helps each other. Truckers help truckers, brokers help carriers, and that's one of the coolest things. But you can find us at just about every show. I'm out there all the time and uh, happy to uh, help at any time because that's that's what Truck Stop does. We're here to make, help everyone be successful. A little cowbell for you, Brent, and all of our guests today. Thank you so much for coming on the the show. I appreciate it. There you go. Go check out Truck Stop. Go uh, rate your own strap work and stick around because we got a fireside chat outsourcing logistics. How 3PLs can benefit in any market. That's with Nick Strober from Lean, Solutions Group, and the lovely Mary O'Connell from Freight Waves. And then we close things out with the fireside chat on how regulations and legal liabilities will affect the industry. Hey, if you like the show, what the truck is on three times a week. Look it up wherever you get podcasts or on Freeways TV or on tv.freeways.com. Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Tudor. Take care and don't be a stranger.